Hello, good morning, everybody. So have you ever had a really, really good idea that turned out to be a really, really bad idea? Like the first time you told yourself, it popped into your brain. You're like, oh, this is genius, only to find out later that that wasn't genius at all. So if you were with us last week, I told this pretty, what I considered to be a pretty cool story, um, of this little boy at uh, my daughter's school, that he is the school uh, security safety officer. And did y'all, some of y'all remember that story. It was this little boy, he goes in, he's, he just helps all of the kids in, in the school, and he's just this awesome little boy. And so I told the story, and then this last week I was dropping my daughter off at school, and he was standing there, and he had his safety vest on and all of this, and I had this idea. I thought, man, I'm going to snap a picture of him, and I'll put it on Facebook, and I'll tell everybody, hey, this is the little boy that's so awesome that helps all the kids. And so I'm there in the school cafeteria, and I pull out my phone, and luckily, like, my brain kicked in, and I realized, whoa, this is not a good idea. (laughs) Creepy stalker guy (laughs) at a public school taking pictures of the kids. Like, I was just kind of like, Acted like I was opening up an app. I was like, ooh, put it back in my pocket. It's like, nobody saw that. It's like, man, I, that was almost a horrible, horrible idea. You know, it's like, thank goodness that my brain realized. But like, have you ever had that moment where you've had this idea, but you didn't catch yourself in time? And later on, you realized, whoa, I, I didn't mean it like that. But that ended up being a really bad idea. Now, there's this person in the Bible, Abraham, that I would say he's kind of the king of, he has these good ideas, only to find out later that they're bad ideas. And I love the scripture that we read this this week here in in Romans, and I want to reverse it a little bit and talk about Abraham uh, in the book of Genesis. You could read all of his story. Um, But Abraham is this father of the faith. Abraham is the man. You know, he's, he's the one that, that starts things. And, and it simply starts with this, this moment where God speaks to him and God says, listen, Abraham, I want you to step out and go to a land that I will show you. And, and, and he does that. Abraham packs up everything and starts to just, just move. He's, he's, in other words, he's bought the train ticket and he doesn't know where the train's going, but he's just, okay, come on, y'all, we are moving. And, and he ends up, and, and there's this moment where God speaks to him. He says, Abraham, come outside of your tent. I want to show you something. And he steps outside, and he, God says, look up. He says, look at the stars of the sky. Your descendants are going to be just like those stars. Like, you, you, it's going to be amazing. And he has this moment. But then, then this happens. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Years and years go by. And, and Abraham's getting older. His wife Sarah's getting older. And he has this promise. And you've got to, you've got to step back for a moment. Uh, think about it. He's out there. He's in, he's in this desert place. He, he actually makes his way to a place called Canaan, which will eventually one day become the promised land, and, and, and millions of his descendants will, will come into this land that's beautiful and it's flowing with milk and honey. But at this period in time, it's just him and 
a promise. And so he's got to lay down his head every night underneath those stars. And he's got, this, he's got to lay down and look up every night. And all he sees is the promise. Man, one star, two star, three, four. You could just imagine night after night. This is what God told me. All of these stars, my descendants. But then, then he wakes up in the morning. And it's gone from being vertical to now he looks out horizontal and there's nothing. Man, God, you're telling me, like, there's going to be stars in the sky, but all I see is just sand and dust on the ground. Have you ever had this moment where it's just, you know, God has given you this promise. You've stepped out in faith. You've done, and then nothing. Absolutely nothing. And this is the moment where tension can begin to rise. It's the moment where Abraham and, and his wife Isaac have what they, uh, his wife Sarah, have what they think is a good idea. This idea is, hey, hey, listen, we have all these servants, and I have this one maid servant, Abraham, and this is what you should do. You should go and you, you should sleep with her, and, and, then, and then we'll have a baby. And to which, could you imagine this moment? Like, husband and wife having this conversation, and Abraham's just like, where's the hidden cameras? Like, <laughs> I know this is a test. Somebody's going to jump out of the cameras. Like, y'all got to remember, this is a different time back then, though. It, was, it was, wasn't like 2017 now. And so, so she's telling him, and Abraham's just like, sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> like, no, Abraham, this is not a good idea. But he does it. And, and he goes and he sleeps with his wife's maidservant, and she gets pregnant, and they have Ishmael. And he's thinking, okay, this is how it starts. Now, from this moment, we've got to wait, and we've got to look. Imagine how Sarah felt. Imagine how Abraham's wife felt. Because remember, there's this promise, and this promise is, it's happened years and years and years ago. And, and you go to, well, at some point in the back of her mind, there was thinking, well, like, listen, we're not getting pregnant, I'm barren, but, you know, it, it could be Abraham's fault. It could be that, you know, maybe I'm not the one that this isn't happening for, but it, it could be him. But then whenever her maidservant gets pregnant, it's like, okay, it wasn't Abraham's fault. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I'm the one. Maybe something's happened with me. There's a reason why I can't get pregnant. And, and I, maybe I've, in the back of my mind, maybe I've, I thought it could be Abraham for all these years, but now it's just confirmed that it was me. This moment where, where, where you could just imagine the pain that she's going through. Like, am I cursed, God? Because for women in those days, listen, if you couldn't bear kids, it would look like God was displeased with you. If you couldn't have a whole bunch of kids, you must have done something wrong. And God is angry with you. And so you could just imagine, what is it? God, you've even given us this promise, and I've had nothing. Nothing. God, I, I know you love me, but do you really care about me? I, I know you love me, but do you like me? I, I, I know that you died for me. I know that you've done all of these things, but, but, but do you care about what's going on presently in my life right now? God, I, I, I know there's all of this, but God, I, I need to know, do, 
do you like me? God, I, 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 and you can imagine what she's going through, the, the struggle, the pain, the unanswered promise. And she comes to this conclusion. If it, if it wasn't an Abraham problem, and it's not a God problem, it must be a me problem. And, and all this is happening have I blown it? Have I in some way disqualified myself? What have I done? And I can just imagine most, or for some of us, for some of us, we've gone through this pain. And we know what God has spoken, and we know what he said, and we know the promise. And we lay down at night, and we see the stars in the sky, but we wake up Monday morning, and all there is is dust and sand and nothing. And it's day after day after month after month, year after year. And if it's not an Abraham problem, and if it's not a God problem, it must be my problem. God, what have I done? What have I done to deserve this? And there's this verse here in Romans 4 that that pulls together everything that we read in Genesis about Abraham. And it says this, Abraham, he entered in to what God was doing for him, and that was the turning point. He entered into what God was doing for him. That was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right instead of trying to be right on his own. Now, did you catch that? He entered into what God was already doing. He entered into what God was already doing. Imagine this. Imagine for a moment that God is playing a game of basketball. It's a little pickup game of basketball, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're going at it, a little three-on-three action, whatever. They're, 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 they're playing basketball, and all of a sudden you're sitting on the bench, and it's like, okay, c- come on in. You, you, can, you, you can play as well, except for whenever we get on the court, we're holding a football. And we're, like, trying to throw it to Jesus. Like, come on, Jesus. And Jesus like, no, we're, we're playing basketball. And you're like, you're getting frustrated because nobody's catching, nobody's catching the football. Nobody's tackling anybody. All, they're, all they keep doing is this. God's like, no, 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 we're playing basketball. I, I know you want to play football, but what we're playing is basketball. And, and then we get frustrated because God's not doing the thing that we want God to do. And God's like, hold on, you've got to enter in to what I'm doing. I'm not going to enter into what you're doing. You've got to enter into what I'm doing. Um, me and my wife have this uh, kind of pattern that we've established at night. So we have dinner, and, and after dinner, I, I told Devin, listen, the meal is wonderful, but I need about 15 minutes to just sit on the couch and chill. When dinner's over, I need to just chill. I need to watch NCIS. I need to just, like, let the kids break stuff if they want to break stuff. I don't care. I just, need to, I just need to let it digest and relax. And see, but Devin, like, if y'all, have you ever seen that old TV show Friends? Remember? It was awesome. There was a character in that TV show called Monica, and that is my wife. And Monica is this, like, high impact, like, everything has to be clean, Everything spotless, go, go, go person. And that's Devin. So as soon as dinner's done, Devin's like, well, we've, we've got to do the dishes, and we've got to pick up all this. And I'm like, no, nah, girl. 
We ain't doing nothing. You're going to give me 15 minutes. We're going to hang out here on the couch. We're going to watch Gibbs do something. And then I will help you do, do some dishes. And that, that's kind of the established pattern that we have. And she's accepted these terms. <laughs> but this is what will happen. We'll get done with dinner. We'll sit there for a second. <laughs> like, literally, like, half a second. It'll be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> we'll sit down, and then she'll go in the kitchen and start doing the dishes. And I ain't getting up. I'm watching TV. And you could just kind of hear dishes start to get slammed a little bit louder. <laughs> and I'm like, I ain't doing it, girl. I told you, 15 minutes, somebody's got to get shot on NCIS first, <laughs> and then I help you with the dish, so I'll do it, and like, you just, and then I'll come, and every time she knows, like, we've, we've established this, and it's just like, now let's do the dishes, and see, she wants me to enter into what she's doing, but we've already established the rules, <laughs> and I'm not going to enter into that until you enter into this, and I just need 15 minutes to chill. I need to let it digest. And I just think, you know, God, that is so often how I treat you. God, I'm like, all right, God, you got to move now. God, right now, let's go. And God's like, Lucas, just chill. Lucas, just calm down. Take a seat. I'm not in a rush. I'm like, but God, we need to do this and this and this. I'm like, God, God, no, you got to enter into what I'm doing. And for Abraham, that was the turning point. That was the turning point when he decided to enter in to what God was already doing. Easy to say, hard to do. We as a people, we have a tendency to let go of the right things and hold on to the, right, the wrong things. We have a tendency to let go of the right, I'm all mixed up. Let go of the right things and hold on to the wrong things. Somebody help me. <laughs> and you can't enter in to what God is doing without exiting what you're doing. You can't enter in to what God's doing until you exit what you're doing. It means taking your agenda... It means taking your preconceived ideas. It means taking your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your this is how everything in my life is going to work out for the next 20 years and laying it down at his feet and saying, God, here, it's yours. If you want to just sit on the couch and chill, we can. If it's time to move and it's time to wash dishes, we could do that too. God, I know you've given me these promises. You've shown me the stars in the sky, but all I'm seeing is, but God, it is in your hands. And, 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 and I can't do it, and I'm not going to try to make things happen. I'm not going to create Ishmael's. I'm not going to do something that I know is against what I'm supposed to be doing just so I could outwork my plan. Because we might have these really good ideas only to find out, God, that wasn't your idea. God, that's not what you wanted to do. It was probably about 12 years or so ago. I was in Indonesia, and I had been there for uh, some time, been there for a few years, been there two, three years, and um, things were going well. Things were going really good. I was living at an orphanage there. 
uh, traveling around, teaching kids to speak English, and, um, and getting to, to, to preach the gospel in, in all of these villages. And uh, I had built up such a rapport with uh, the Muslim and the Hindu community that I actually was getting to go in. I was speaking at Muslim festivals and Hindu festivals, and I was getting to talk to some pretty uh, powerful people um, about Jesus uh, pretty openly. And it was awesome. Things were going good. Uh, I had connected with different businessmen from Singapore. Um, I was traveling back and forth, uh, loving it, loving life. And then one day I woke up and God said, I'm done with you. What? But everything's going good, God. Like, had, like let, me, let me show you the resume, Lord. Let me, I'm doing pretty well here in terms, in terms of, of everything that's going on. And God said, no, I'm done with you. I want you to go back to the States and, um, uh, and you, until you meet your wife. And I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, the wife part sounds pretty cool. Like, thanks, you know. But I, and then, and then I, made a, I made my plan. I said, well, this is what we'll do. Like, okay, I'll, I'm trusting in God. I'm going to meet my wife. And, and I did. I met Devin. I just thought, okay, we're going to work. We're going to save up our monies, and we'll go, we'll go back to Indonesia. And I'll get right back into to my plan. And um, I needed to save a bunch of money. And uh, at that time, the housing market was awesome. Everybody made money selling houses. So I thought, okay, I'll just sell some houses and make some money. And uh, got my real estate license. And like the day after I lost my, got my real estate license, I should have lost my real estate license because the market crashed. And uh, next thing you know, we're, it, it was just horrible. And um, we're, we're here, and I'm still trying to figure out how to make things work. And I'm go attending a church in Myrtle Beach. And middle of the service, I feel like the Lord speak to me, you're going to plant a church. Okay, in Indonesia? Like Africa? Shalot. Ooh. Ow. Not so attractive, Lord. Not, I mean, Shalot? Is that on the map? You meant to say Charlotte. Everybody gets that mixed up. Like, oh, okay. And, and, then, and then it happened. I'm like, okay, Abraham, I'll, I'll, I'll step out in faith and, and, you know, nobody will show up. So we started the church, and, and, and then people started to show up, and I thought, for the first, probably about the first five years, I thought to myself, I'll just make really bad decisions, and the church will blow up, and or more implode, and, and then that way I could go back to the missionary field. And I would do some really, what I thought were dumb ideas, and God would bless them. Like, we would have, like, the craziest outreaches, and I'm like, no one will ever show up to this. People would show up. And we had this one service. It was a Good Friday service, and I thought, how can I make this impossible? Um, and so, like, let's do this. Let's have the service at 10 o'clock at night, and we'll go to 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll talk the whole time. Like, the praise and worship will be no instruments. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be Kyle on the acoustic guitar, and I'm going to talk for three hours. That's going to be awesome. And, like, everybody showed up. And God kept doing these things. And, and then there was this tension that began to rise inside of me. Of, there was one part that said, okay, God, uh, I see what you're doing, and, and I want things to work out. But then there was another side of me that, uh, but, but I have my plan, and this is what I want you to do. And then there was this tension that began to form. And somewhere along the line, really just probably in the last th maybe three years ago, 
I came to this point where I said, okay, God, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. And for me, that was the turning point. When I took everything and laid it before my father and said, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Whatever you want to do. I lay all of my dreams. I, lay, I, know, I know you've given me all these promises and whatnot, and it seems like all I've seen is this, but God, it's yours. And I entered into what God was already doing. And here's the thing about that. That is super scary. Because I don't know, like, if y'all have ever, like, really read this, God is scary. He does things that I would never do. I mean, some of his plans and ideas, never in a million years. Uh, imagine this for a moment. Hey, we got this whole army. We're going to go fight a battle. This is what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the city. And then I want you to yell really loud. Okay. <laughs> and then, like, walls come tumbling down. Like, what? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine, like, if y'all were the army and I was the leader? And I'm like, hey, guys, we're getting ready to go to battle. Don't worry. This is the plan. We're all going to walk around Shalote. And then we're going to gather in Walmart and just yell. <laughs> Who's with me? Y'all would be like, nah, I'm finding a new church. That's in the Bible. That's the stuff that God has you do. This is the stuff that God's all about. He's like, listen, I I'm going to change the world. Let me go pick 12 guys. Just, I, don't, I need the most unskilled labor force that you could find. And he like, picks out these disciples because they were, they were just these, they couldn't even catch fish. I mean, they're fishermen that couldn't catch fish. It's like, I'll take them. And he does it, he changes the way he's like, and then there's this blind guy that wants to see, and Jesus is like, let's rub some mud in his eyes. <laughs> he already can't see, Jesus. This is the plan. Rub mud all in his eyes. This is going to be awesome. Oh, oh, wait, and then I have this other plan. This is how I'm going to save the world. I'm going to step out of heaven into humanity, and I'm going to allow them to crucify me. Whoa. God, I don't know if that's the best plan. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to allow them to beat me and put me on a cross. But in three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm like, hold on, Jesus. I mean, could we just, like, do a plan B or something? And this is how he works. This is what he calls us. And this is the turning point. When you step into what he's already doing, you realize that, wow, he could take... Some fish and some biscuits and feed 5,000. And that's the way that he likes to do things. When you realize that you could see clearer with Jesus' mud in your eyes than you ever could with glasses. You could see clearer with Jesus' mud in your eyes than you ever could on your own. We could be a bunch of unskilled labor force right here and change the world. Shalot. And where did the revival happen at? Where? Shalot. This is the turning point. And see, by the time God approaches Abraham again years later, 
he, he, he approaches Abraham after, after all of this time has gone by. There, there's the promise. And, and, and then they've had Ishmael. Um, I believe it's 13 years between Ishmael and the, uh, Isaac. By this time, Abraham is an old man. He's like 99 years old. And the Lord speaks to him again and says, all right, get ready to have a baby. And you know, want to know what's amazing? It, it speaks to Abraham. It also speaks to his wife. And on both instances, when giving not any new promise, but a reiteration of what he's already told him from years ago, you know what their first instinct is to do? They laughed. Abraham Sarah, you're going to get pregnant. <sighs> when you reach that moment where even the thought of God's promises for you makes you just almost want to laugh. God, that's not even a possibility anymore. God, there's no way you could do it. This womb is too old for that. When it's completely dead. When everything feels like it's Jesus, you're dead in the grave. It's over. And that's the moment where God's like, and here comes some resurrection. Here's the moment where everything changes. It's the point where we get to the point where it's even laughable. And God's saying, listen, is my arm too short? Can I not take care of this? And I think that's the question that God is asking this morning. He's saying, look up at the stars. Look up at the stars. Even now for a moment, close your eyes with me and remember. Remember those things that the Lord has spoken to you. He's spoken to maybe a long, long time ago. For some of you guys, it's been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years waiting for God. You spent so many nights sleeping, staring at the stars, but you've woke to the sand. And even now, at this moment, even, even the idea that God could be doing something in your life, that God wants you to enter into what he's already doing, even just the thought of that seems humorous. And yet God says, look up. Consider the birds. But there's only one way to enter into what God's doing. You've got to let go of what you're doing. And put your hands, put your life in the hands of Jesus. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web www.coastalvineyard.org All who are weak All who are weary Come to the rock Come to the fountain all who will say
Come on, be 